0: Once again, good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God and welcome back to, to the series entitled Bad Advice. Bad Advice, we've been taking a look at a number of topics. Some of the things where as a result of maybe just our own choices and decisions and and many times based on the enemy who Jesus has described, his, his mode, his focus, his goal is to steal and kill and destroy. As a result of all of those things, many times we have made bad decisions, wrong decisions based on bad advice. We've gone down the wrong direction. So we've taken some brief looks at bad advice and then followed it up with God's advice. What does the Word of God have to say in these different topics and areas? So uh, we've looked at drifting from God. If we're not careful, we can slip away. We can drift away uh, from that walk and that relationship with God. We look to the Word of God to see how can we grow strong? How can we grow in a relationship with God? Last week, we talked about marriage and talked about relationships and how to strengthen and how to build and how to guard as opposed to uh, destroying the marriage. So this morning, the, the title is How to Become an Addict. Now, we've got to be careful because when we, we hear that word addict, typically we think of another word before that. We think of drug addict. And many times, it's the only thing that comes to mind when we hear that word addict, someone who is addicted to something, and we typically associate that with maybe alcohol or drugs, and we kind of keep it right there. So the initial thought when we say how to become an addict, and certainly uh, the the flip side, God's word and, and God's wisdom about, well how to not become one, or, or how to destroy, or how to go against addiction, we think, well, that's not me, so good, I, I'll get some thoughts for somebody else. But let's be cautious, let's be careful. This, this term or this word of, of addict or addiction, how many of you know there's a lot of different kinds of things that we can become addicted to? So it's very, very easy to kind of get the finger out and to kind of point someplace else other than us, right? Alcohol? Oh, not me, them. Drugs? Definitely not me, them. Sexual immorality or addiction? Oh, not me, them. Gambling? Oh, not me, them. So we run through a handful of things and we say, that's not me, Boy, I'm glad this doesn't apply to me today. But how many of you know that there are things that can become addictions in our lives? They might be, some of them, slightly good in nature or neutral in nature, but because of their importance, because of their prominence, because of the, the slot that it holds in our life, it basically replaces God. And it comes between us and a relationship with God. We might say, if we were looking at it from the biblical standpoint, that it would be more like an idol. We don't often talk about idols or about these these addictions or these things that come between us and God because we think, well, that's that's old school, that's Old Testament. I don't know of anybody, Pastor Mark, that has a big tree of wood or a big idol of gold, a, a golden calf in their house. If I had a golden calf, you say, I'd sell it. That golden calf would be worth a lot, right? Solid gold. So we say, that's not me, Pastor Mark. I don't have an addiction. And we list the things that we're not addicted to. Yet the challenge is that many many times there are things that occupy our time, occupy uh, our interests, and if we're not careful, they can creep into and become more important than our walk with God, our relationship with God. We'll care much more to to check maybe our cell phone time and time and time and time again to see if something has updated on it, but maybe neglect to open up the Word of God to see how it can impact us, whether it's social media, shopping, sports, taking care of ourselves, taking care of the house, job, so many different things that in and of themselves might be good, they could creep in and they could become more important to us than the Lord. So it's not about, okay, becoming an addict or destroying addiction and only talking about some of those quote, big things where we we talk about maybe alcohol or drugs or other items when it comes to addiction, certainly there are other areas in our life that can become addicted, that can come between us and the Lord. So let's run through a handful of bad advice. These are some things that maybe on our own we've done. These are some things that maybe the enemy has snuck in and crept in and enabled us to think or to follow. But if you want to give in to your addictions, whatever those might be, those things that would creep in and keep you from the Lord, here's a handful of things that will help you to do that. Number one, bad advice number one is this, deny that you have a problem. Deny it. No matter what, don't admit it. It's not me, it's somebody else. That thing that's in my life, that's not an addiction, that's an interest. That's not an addiction, uh, I'm just enthusiastic about this. Sure, it keeps me and, and it's much more important than God, but it's not a problem, it's not an issue, it's not an addiction. Because an addiction, as we all know, it's just alcohol or drugs, so my thing is certainly not that. a a great first step towards growing in that addiction is deny it. In fact, tell yourself, you can quit at any time. Any of these things that occupy our time and our efforts and our interests or that keep us from God, we would say, you know what, I can quit this at any time. It's the same thing that those who might be addicted to some of those big things that many times our mind goes to, alcohol and drugs, would say, oh, I can quit at any time. Some of those other things that that maybe occupy our time, maybe we're saying those same things. I can give this up at any time. The, The challenge is many times we don't want to. And when other individuals who love you and know you and care about you lovingly say there's an issue here, you might want to deal with this, tune them out, shut them out of your life. Tell them how wrong they are. Tell them how right you are because you know it all. Tell them that you don't have a problem because know that you know better. You're right, even if you might be wrong. So bad advice number one is simply deny that you've got a problem and and that'll help you go even further into your issue. Number two, bad advice number two is to follow your fleshly desires. Very simple. Whatever you feel like, whatever you want, if it feels good, do it. Eat it, drink it, smoke it, buy it, chase it. Just follow after it because you know what you want. And if it's good to you, it must be good. So just do it. Don't worry about what anybody says. Don't worry about what God's word has to say, because you know what feels right to you. In fact, here's here's a way to kind of amp that up a little bit. Maybe we could become like that that little two-year-old, that little three-year-old in the grocery store. You ever seen one or had one? Or I know some of you maybe have been one at one point in time. You know, the little two-year-old or three-year-old in the grocery store who's hanging on to mommy's feet or hanging on to daddy's feet, crying and screaming and throwing the temper tantrum that says, I want it, whatever it is, candy, it's the toy, it's this, it's that, I want it, I want it, I want it, it would just be a grown-up adult version of that. Whatever it is, whatever is your interest, whatever you feel like, whatever you want to take part in, just do it and and cry and scream and throw a temper tantrum until you get what you want. Make sure you've got plenty of access to all the stuff that tempts you. Have the abundance of all the stuff that tempts you. Feel free to follow after your fleshly desires. That's going to help us be well on our way towards giving in and, unfortunately, growing in that area of addiction. Bad advice number three, keep addiction a secret. I mean, you certainly don't want to tell anybody about that. Don't let anybody know. Certainly don't go to God with that. Don't, don't go to any brother or sister in Christ with that because obviously they would know nothing about what it is that you're facing because you are the only one who has ever, ever faced that struggle and that challenge and that temptation. So make sure that you keep that to yourself because there would be nobody else who would ever be a, a help to you, nobody else who could ever strengthen or encourage or pray for or support you because nobody knows what you're going through. And then finally... You want to grow in your addiction? Depend on your own power. You got this. You're strong. You've got wisdom. You've got knowledge. You've got strength. You've got energy. You've got connections. And and certainly, you know when you're going a little too far into whatever this issue might be. You've got this under control. You can handle it. Just face it in your own strength. Face it in your own power. and, And you got it. Again, a little bit of a challenge as we we start the message off with some of those negative, some of the areas of bad advice, and and we put it that way, and we're emphatic that way about, oh, you want to become an addict? You want to grow in this addiction? Whatever those things might be, do these things. And you're saying, do I say amen, or do I say boo? You're not sure what to say. Again, these are areas of bad advice. In just a moment, we're going to be flipping them all around as we take a look at God's Word and godly advice. Ultimately, our our human advice and the things that that we try to do on our own, it's many times the exact opposite of what God's Word has to say. Here's what Isaiah says in chapter uh, 44, verses 14 and following. He's writing about a man, and earlier in the, the chapter he refers to them as the carpenter, And in verse 14, he says, He, the carpenter, cuts down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine and the rain made it grow. It's used as fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread, but he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Now, how goofy, how silly is that? He takes this tree. He had nothing to do with the tree. The tree itself, you know, it's not good or bad, it's just a tree. But he uses it, some of it, for good. I mean, he he burns it, he, he makes a fire, and that provides warmth, that's positive. He burns it and, and helps to cook and prepare some of his food, and that's positive. But then he turns right around and he took something that seemed to be good and now he fashions it into this idol and then he bows down and worships the very thing he burned to provide warmth. Does that make sense? Verse 16, half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal, roasts his meat, and eats his fill. He also warms himself and says... Ah, I am warm, see the fire. From the rest he makes a god, his idol, he bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, save me, you are my god. And we look at that and we say, how silly can you be? I mean, who would ever do something like that? Unfortunately, so many people do something similar to that today. Maybe not with a tree trunk that they burn and and use for fuel or to prepare their food over. But there are some items in our lives that maybe in and of themselves, there's, there's nothing necessarily negative about these things, but we let them creep in. They become more important than our walk with God, than our relationship with God. It's almost as if we have made that thing an idol in our life. Again, I don't think we're going to find tree trunks in your homes and golden calves in your bedroom, but what might some of those things be that we allow to come in, to creep in, and come in between ourselves and our walk with God? Verse 18, he says, they know nothing, they understand nothing, their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see, and their minds closed so they cannot understand. I mean, they're completely shut off from the fact that what they're doing is not good, is not right, and displeases God. They've deceived themselves. They feel that what they're doing is right. It's that that thought that says, if it feels good to me, I'm going to do it. And you can't tell me how to live my life because it's my life. So if it feels good to me, I'm going to do it. And it doesn't matter what anybody else, particularly what the Word of God has to say. Unfortunately, many people have that thought. Verse 19, no one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say, half of it I used for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals, roasted meat, and ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? Such a person feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? Isn't this thing that I've allowed into my life, hasn't this come between me and God? They're deceived, they're deluded, they don't understand that. And so many times in these addictions, whether it is something to the the hardcore addiction that we might associate it with, maybe alcohol or drug addiction, as well as some of these other things we don't normally associate with it, what happens is this, we we tend to seek to find what only God provides and what only God can supply in our lives. We tend to seek that out in something else. Many, many people have, have put it or phrased it this way: that there's this, this God-shaped hole in our lives that can only be filled by God. There's this longing, there's this there's this yearning inside of us for something, and it it should be God, it should be filled by God, but yet we're filling it with something else. That varies for different people. Certainly some, it might be alcohol. Certainly some, it might be drugs. Certainly some, it's other areas of, of addiction or other areas that we allow to creep in and become more important than God. What we're saying is This should be filled by God. This this yearning, this longing inside should be filled by God. And we're saying, God, we're gonna put you over here and we're gonna gonna try to fill that that longing and that yearning with other stuff and let that become more important than God. In a sense, it becomes more like the idols we allow in. You say, well, that's that's Isaiah. That's, That's Old Testament stuff. He's talking about trees and carpenters and stuff. Well, flip forward to me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12 Paul writes this. You notice that if you turn there no matter which version or translation you're reading from, there're going to be some quotation marks in there. Because as Paul writes, he's writing what some other people have said. So he's quoting what other people might say and then answering it. 1 Corinthians 6:12. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. And he repeats that. I have the right to do anything, in quotes, but I will not be mastered by anything. I won't be mastered. I won't be controlled. I won't be enslaved. I won't be underneath the power or underneath the influence of other things. Many times when that happens and and we become mastered or controlled or under the impact and influence of someone else or something else, many times we know that those things might be wrong, but we continue to to jump in and to do those very things. Now, it's interesting, and just to, to put that in a little bit different perspective, we take a look at this in the message The message is more of a modern paraphrase. It's it's not so much of a word-for-word or phrase-for-phrase translation uh, from the Greek, but a little bit more of a a modern understanding that uh, Eugene Peterson wrote. So here's what that verse reads like in the message. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. Okay, so let me just point this out for those who might be listening online or on the podcast because I'm about to do air quotes. So people can't hear that on the, on the podcast. So all of you uh, listening live here, you're, you're, you're going to see air quotes. But in the message, he says, just because something is, and here comes the air quotes, Technically legal. Everybody do that with me. Let's do air quotes together. It'd be fun. Here we go. You ready? Technically legal. Okay. So just because it is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. What does that mean? Well, just because some things are not against the law, just because some things are, here we go again, technically legal, doesn't mean that it's good for us, doesn't mean that it's healthy for us, doesn't mean that it benefits me spiritually. It is, here we go again, technically legal if you're of a certain age to drink alcohol. Does that make it spiritually beneficial? In some cases, and in more and more states, it is, quote, technically legal to do marijuana. Does that make it spiritually beneficial? In, in many states, in Ohio being one, uh, in some of the big cities, you can go to these incredible, fantabulous, large sites called casinos and gamble your money away it is, quote, technically legal, does that make it spiritually beneficial? In fact, if you are of a certain age and the other person is of a certain age and you both are consenting, it is, quote, technically legal to engage in sexual relationships, premarital sexual relationships, extramarital sexual relationships, Adulterous relationships. It is, quote, technically legal. In other words, you will not be prosecuted. You will not be arrested if you're of the appropriate age to drink, if if you're in the appropriate state to smoke marijuana, if you're of the age and the other person's of the age and you both consent. You won't be arrested for premarital, extramarital, any of these outside of marriage, sexual relationships, does that make it spiritually beneficial? So he's writing and and giving this modern take on 1 Corinthians 6. Just because of that doesn't mean it's spiritually appropriate. If I go around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I would be a slave to my whims. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can do, but just because we can doesn't mean that we should. True? There's a lot of things we can do, even that are outside of the, some of those big things that we think, oh, don't be an addict, don't do drugs. There's a lot of things that we can take part in that can lead us away from God and develop that, uh, that addiction, that idol perhaps in our lives that keep us away from God. So let me ask you the, the question this morning. Is there anything in your life that has mastered you? What 1 Corinthians 6 says, he says not everything's beneficial, and he says I will not be mastered, I will not be controlled by, I will not be enslaved by, I will not be under the power of anything. Is there anything in our lives that we would say has mastered us, anything that's bigger than us, anything that we say, you know what, I could quit any time, yet we don't. Is there something that's got a, a dominating impact or influence in our lives. Again, our, our minds often go to the, to the biggies. Alcohol or drugs or sexual relationships, pornography, gambling, stealing. What about some of those other things that might take place? Addictions or, or things that we allow to creep into our lives that become so much more important than God that it, it completely shuts Him out of the equation. Sports, shopping, social media, job, work, games. It might be some of those things that we say, it's not that big of a deal. I can quit anytime I want. But I don't want to, so I've got my 10th cup of coffee today. got my 15th Mountain Dew, but I can quit anytime I want. Are the things we've allowed to kind of creep into our life? We can't live a day without it. But boy, we can go days and days without opening the Word of God. Days and days without spending time in prayer. Days and days without growing in God. Well, Pastor, you're meddling now. You mentioned caffeine. I don't know what it is in your life. But certainly, there's a great possibility that there's something out there that has mastered you, that has mastered us. And Paul's writing, he says, listen, you say you've got the right to do anything? Well, 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 maybe what you're doing, you've got the legal, quote, legal right to do it, but does it make it beneficial? Is it mastering, is it controlling you? Many times at the root of these issues, these are kind of the the symptoms of the issue, the root of the issue comes back to that idea many times of idolatry, something that's taking the place of God, something that has crept in, alcohol, drugs, other items, and we've allowed it to take the place of God, and it is the importance of God. We're allowing someone or something else to control us rather than God. So we've taken a look at some of the world's advice, bad advice, follow these things, and you'll grow in that addiction. Let's spend some time looking at God's word, godly advice, how do we defeat addiction of whatever kinds we might be facing in our lives? You can probably guess them. we're going we're to flip around the bad advice and make sure that God's good advice comes out on top. Number one, admit that you need help. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 13 says this, Acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You've scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me. Jeremiah is speaking to the people of his day. He says, listen, this affects you, but you and I reading this. Boy, this applies to us as well. Acknowledge our guilt. Acknowledge we've not obeyed God. We've allowed other things to creep in in his place. Admit we've messed up. Admit that we need God's help. Admit that these things are keeping us from growing in him. Admit we can't handle it on our own. Admit and acknowledge that there are some of these things, like it or not, that have crept into our lives. So the more we say, I don't have a problem, the more we look at somebody else across the sanctuary and say, well, well, I'll tell you who's got the problem, and we start pointing. The more we do that, the harder it is to overcome the stuff that's gripped our hearts and our lives. We admit Something's going on in our life. Something has crept in and has taken God's place. We're trying to fill that hole with something other than God. Number two, and very importantly, we've got to live by the Spirit. Bad advice says, follow and do whatever your flesh desires, whatever you want. If it feels good, do it. Here's what Galatians chapter 5 says. A familiar passage of Scripture from verse 16 all the way through 23 will end with the fruit of the Spirit. But in verse 16, he writes this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You catch that? He says, walk by the Spirit, live according to the Spirit of God. The flesh is contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit contrary to the flesh, they're in conflict with each other. You ever, you ever felt that kind of internal battle, that in, internal turmoil? You ever felt, you know? And this, this is classic cartoon. This is classic uh, movie, even from way back. You know, Looney Tunes from back in the day. What do they picture? They picture the little angel on the one shoulder, the little devil on the other shoulder. And you know, whether it's I don't know, Tom and Jerry, to something else. It's always pictured like that. It's this war. It's this battle. And so you've got the angel who's speaking in and saying, do something good and do something nice and, oh, don't do that. And then the the little devil on the other shoulder, oh, yeah, you want to do that. Don't be good. Don't be nice. This is so much more fun And there's this this battle raging. And even in a cartoon, you can see on the face, looking back and forth and looking at the the little devil, looking at the little angel, you see the face looking up and thinking, they're wondering, they're pondering, they're they're trying to weigh it all and wondering, what do I do? There's a conflict going on. You ever felt like that? I I know it's somebody else down the street. Here's those other church people. Nobody here wrestles with anything. I bet we do. And I bet if we were honest, we would venture to say, I remember, you know, right before I did that thing, I was kind of wrestling. I was a little little nervous. I was a little a little queasy. And Holy Spirit was kind of shaking and and nudging and and trying to get your attention. And, And right before you did something you knew you shouldn't, you had this battle waging. The flesh flesh said oh if it feels good do it we'll just do it what nike says, just do it yeah you feel like it go ahead and then on the other side you're feeling like the holy spirit's kind of coming and prompting you saying don't do that don't give in to temptation be pure be holy follow me and so maybe you've had this this battle this nudge both ways and then you made the decision And maybe you you felt relieved. You felt like the Holy Spirit had had helped and and nudged and and maybe saved you from, from, you know, you you took the way of escape rather than giving in to temptation. And maybe in other cases, maybe you look back and say, well, yeah, unfortunately I gave in and I did what I shouldn't. There's the battle. It's... It's kind of like the, uh, the old story, you, you probably have heard this or read this, it's been in books, it's, it's been in movies, it's been in different things. The, the short story, some, some would call it the two dogs, some would call it the two wolves. But it goes something like this, as they would tell the story, that each of us, in a sense, has two wolves or two dogs within us. We've got the, the good one, the pure one, the holy one, the righteous one, and then we've got the, the mean one, the, the evil one, the sinful one. And they're constantly warring. They're they're constantly battling. And the question that's asked then, as, as they would hear about the fact that there's these two dogs, these two wolves warring, the question that's asked is, so which one wins? And the answer is very simple. It's the one you feed the most. The one you feed the most. We've got that war battle raging within us of the flesh and of the spirit. Which is going to win out? It's the one we feed the most. Are we feeding our fleshly desires and just simply giving in and saying, I do what I want, I do what I feel like, if it, if it feels good to me, I'm in? Or are we going to live in accordance with the Spirit of God? The one we feed the most will win. It continues then as we look at Galatians 5. Verse 19, he then mentions some of these things that are part of the flesh. And we read through this list, and and there's some of them and go, oh, yeah, these are obvious. Verse 19, he says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we look at that, and our first read-through is we think, obviously, some of these things, they are deserving to be on this list. But if we're honest, we would look at that and say, well, this this is kind of an interesting list. I mean... Sexual immorality and idolatry and and witchcraft. I mean, those are pretty obvious. We should not be doing those. But then some of these other ones, you know, jealousy, envy. I mean, I kind of like other people's stuff. Selfish ambition. I mean, isn't that the American way, the American dream? Be all that you can be and do all you can do and get all you can get. Become all you can become. I mean, we look at some of these things, and and maybe maybe it's a struggle that we're battling or we're facing. We say, "I don't like the fact that this thing is on the list." He's saying all of these things, some of which we might see as big, and some of which we might see as not so bad. All of these things, and in addition to others, it's not an exhaustive list. He says these are the acts of the flesh. If it feels good, these types of things, we're going to do it in others. But then here comes that familiar passage, and, and we've heard it many times, the fruit of the Spirit. You might have learned it or phrased it or memorized it in a different version or translation. NIV says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He's writing, he's saying, listen, if we want to guard against addiction, if we want to defeat addiction, we've got to make sure that we're living in accordance with the Spirit of God rather than following our fleshly desires. Our flesh is going to do all the stuff that we think feels good to us, but it's not always pleasing and holy and appropriate in God's sight. See, as we call on Jesus Christ, our, our sins are forgiven and cleansed. The Bible says we become a, a brand new creature. The Holy Spirit lives within and guides and points and nudges us towards righteousness. But we're still human, we still have that fleshly nature. So, which one are we going to feed? Are we going to give in to the flesh to say, oh, it feels good, so forget about God and the nudging of the Holy Spirit. I'm walking this direction. Or are we going to follow the leading and nudging of the Holy Spirit and live according to the fruit of the Spirit? So godly advice says, first of all, admit that we need some help. Live by the Spirit of God. Thirdly, confess our sins and weaknesses. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says... Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Someone put it this way, sin grows best in the dark. Don't keep it in the dark. Confess it to God. Ask Him to cleanse and to forgive and to remove. I mean, we're thankful The word of God says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and he will forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all of the unrighteousness. If we confess, that's where that starts. We confess, he forgives Certainly, there's other individuals that, not that we go to them for forgiveness, they don't cleanse, they don't forgive, they don't save, but they might be able to provide some help, some encouragement, some accountability. Because again, our thought is this, nobody else faces what I face, so I certainly couldn't tell anybody. Now, I'm not advocating that we have, like, Confession Sunday, and we... Mandate that all of you spend you know, an hour up front telling everybody all your sins, all your struggles, all your challenges, and then we all keep this big detailed list so we know if I ever struggle in this area, I've got five people I can get a hold of. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm saying is there might be people that God puts into your path or in the course of conversation, you might encourage somebody else, somebody else might encourage you, and you might... God, might I kind of put you together with somebody who has been in that same boat, faced those same struggles and challenges and temptations that maybe could be an accountability to you, that maybe could be an encouragement to you. We go to God. God's the one that cleanses. God's the one that forgives. But certainly, sometimes there, there could be other individuals that could help guide and direct and, and kind of help us stay accountable in some of these areas that we struggle or that we face. They can encourage us in the Lord, lift us up in prayer, maybe be that, that personal contact. Hey, how's things going in this area? It doesn't maybe even have to be specified or mentioned, but you know this person's gonna ask me a couple of questions. How are you doing in this area? Area. You know, we talked about that a little while back. Just praying for you, just thinking about you. Let's stay accountable. So we admit we need help. Live by the Spirit of God. Confess our sins and weaknesses. Finally, we've got to depend upon God's power. The flesh says, our self says this, I can do it on my own. I can handle it. I don't need anybody else. To overcome an addiction, whether it's the classic addiction that might come to your mind of alcohol or drugs or something that we might consider as severe or some other forms of, of addiction, things that we have become addicted to, things that have crept in and snuck in and become more important in between our relationship with God, We've got to depend on God's power to overcome these items. Ephesians chapter 6, another rather well-known passage of Scripture, reads like this, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Let me say that verse again. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in His mighty power. Nowhere in here does it say trust yourself. Nowhere in here does it say you've got everything you need in and of yourself. It's in you. He says trust in God. He's the one who has mighty power. And then he continues talking about the power of God and talking about how we would access that. Talks about the full armor of God. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. See, he's acknowledging that this is a spiritual battle. It's not something we face in our own strength. This is not arm wrestling tournament where it's my arm and my muscles and my physical body against somebody else. He says it's not about flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle. Our flesh and blood and and muscles and strength, that's not going to overcome something in the spiritual. We've got to trust in God. We've got to depend upon God and His power to help us, strengthen us, equip us to overcome these areas of addiction, to overcome these areas of things that have crept in and become more important than God. Maybe we've tried. Maybe you've tried on your own to to battle this, whatever this means to you. And on our own, sometimes we just dig in deeper as opposed to, to breaking ourselves free, we, we expend a lot, of, a lot of energy and we wrap ourselves up even tighter into that thing. We've got to trust in and depend upon the power of God. How do we defeat addiction? How do we overcome some of these things that will try to creep in and become more important than our walk with God? We've got to admit that we need help, live according to the Spirit, confess our sins and weaknesses, and then depend upon the power of God.